you know, and, and just because we do it regularly, oh, sorry, now the plaster stuck to my glasses, it's pulling my plaster off. But it, it's really quite something special, and because we do it regularly, it, it can become familiar and ordinary. Uh, but that's the very last thing that this meal should be, is ordinary, familiar. Because remember the, the old proverb, familiarity breeds contempt. And we need, to, we need to look afresh, with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart, to, to the breaking of bread, and remember all that it signifies, you know. Uh, it's really, we're participating in the, the, the bread and the wine, the body of Christ, and uh, it's, it's really important that we understand that this is a sacred and holy time. It's precious, and we should venerate it. This is a time of deep devotion. It's a time of uh, adoration and of worship, as we come and remember what Christ has done for us. Really, that is the essence of the communion service. It's the remembrance of all that Jesus did as he paid for our salvation. All that his death purchased for us. And you know, the heart attitude when, when we come to break bread uh, is very important. And uh, you know, not only is it to be a time of reverence and awe as we come before the Lord's table and we remember the great sacrifice of our God, that God sacrificed himself for us. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. And our heart attitude, I believe, should be like Moses at the burning bush. Remember when, when he came into the presence of the Almighty God, when he realized that there was something incredibly special about that burning bush. It burned, but it wasn't consumed. And so he comes in and he has this encounter with the Lord. And immediately he takes off his shoes and he falls on his face and he begins to worship and adore the Lord. There's this reverence and God speaks to him out of the burning bush. And so I believe that that's the heart attitude. When we come to meet with the Almighty, we, we're partaking of the body and the blood of Jesus. This is the closest we physically get to the cross. And so it's to be revered, it's to be honored, and it's to be very special in our hearts. We should have that same kind of attitude that, that Moses had of worship. You know, he trembled in adoration before the Lord in honor of what God was doing and saying to him. So the substance of communion is the remembrance of what Jesus paid for our salvation and all that he purchased for us. When, when Christians participate in the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus, we're partaking in the, the, in the cup and of the blood of Jesus with all the benefits that are associated with the blood. And when we partake of his body, the bread, we participate in, in all the benefits that his body gives to us. And they are astounding. We're going to look at a few of those things this morning. But the sharing of the meal signifies the sharing in all its benefits, uh, sharing in, in all that God has done for us. And so if we are open and if we're believing, we can receive so much more than just forgiveness of sins and healing for our bodies. That as important and as wonderful and as incredible as that is, there's so much more that God has for us that, that is available through the breaking of bread. And we'll look at that in a, in a few moments. When we break bread, we solemnly proclaim the Lord's death, His burial, and His resurrection. And more than that, we're speaking about our union 
with Christ. We are coming together and symbolically we are partaking of God into our very lives and beings. We are sharing in the life of God because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we're partaking of the life of God and, and as we partake of His blood and of His body. Hallelujah. The eminent scholars, J.M.B. says, uh, Jameson Horson Brown uh, actually says, really draws emphasis to this, this cup of blessing, which was at the far side of me. And, and in two weeks' time, uh, we, we'll, we'll do the second half of, of this message because I got so excited uh, again and got carried away. I, I, I couldn't fit it all into one message. So we, we will look at the second part uh, the week after next because we have a visiting speaker next week. But it's a cup of blessing. And I think that as we go through this morning's service, you'll see the richness of the blessing that God has provided for us. And it's really speaking of the Passover cup, this cup of blessing. So whenever we do that, whenever we speak of the Passover, we, we remember that the real Passover was not instituted back in Egypt. The real Passover happened in the New Testament when Jesus sacrificed his life. He is the Passover man. Uh, but, the, but the truth is still very significant. Passover is about deliverance. It's about freedom, about liberty. It's what Jesus came to, to, to purchase. So the angel of death, when he sees the blood, passes over. The blood that signifies the penalty of death has already been paid. And those under the blood are forever protected. Hallelujah. Remember when we come, we partake of the blood. We are partaking of, of, of the, the, the covenant that God said, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be a father unto you. I'm going to look after you because you are the apple of my eye. And so we see that, that this begins to be a very uh, and special thing. So the Passover cup, both in Israel and in the church, are very significant. To Jews and Christians, it speaks about deliverance and freedom and liberty. That's what the Passover is really about. And so uh, this is, uh, to the Jew, it signifies uh, their deliverance from bondage of slavery and their liberty uh, from the tyranny of Pharaoh. For the Christian, it speaks about our deliverance from the bondage of sin and the tyranny of Satan. And so that's what the Passover really signifies. So in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. Amen? Amen. No longer slaves to sin. You know? uh, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So God has set us free. As Israel was set free from their tyrannical master, so the Christian has been set free from our tyrannical master, the devil, so that we do not need to sin. We can live a life of righteousness. We've delivered from the bondage of sin. Not only are we no longer slaves to sin, but the punishment of our sin has been paid for by Christ. And as the blood of the Lamb set Israel free, so the blood of Jesus sets you and I free this morning. So in partaking of the communion cup, we remember the cross, the sacrifice that sets us free, that washes away my sins, that destroys the yoke of bondage, that brings liberty, life, and blessing into my life. This is, this, this is a very special remembrance when we come with the right heart attitude and we see what God has done. Because as the people of God, we have been sanctified. In other words, we've been set apart for God's holy use, for His purposes and for His things. And it's done by the blood of Jesus. That's why He sanctified us. As glorious and as wonderful as all these blessings are that we've looked at, you know, there's still much more to the Passover message. 
If you go back to, to the time when Israel was coming out of Egypt, there's a, a, a very significant but often overlooked part aspect of the Passover uh, that people uh, have minimized. And, and I think it's a shame that that's true. As they were leaving Egypt, uh, God speaks to the nation. Uh, in, in Exodus chapter 3 and verses 21 and 22, and I'm reading it from the Living Bible uh, because it, it has some really nice emphasis there. Uh, it starts off by saying, and I will see to it. God is speaking to the nation. And he said, I will see to it. Isn't that wonderful? God is saying to the, the people of God, this is going to happen because I'm going to make sure that it happens. And so what does God make sure that, that's going to happen? He says, I will see to it that the Egyptians load you down with gifts. Hallelujah. I like it. He's going to load them down. This is not some little trinket that they can remember Egypt by. This is good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God is going to recompense Israel for the 400 years of slavery and bondage that she had in there. God is saying, I'm going to see to this. And verse 22 says, And every woman will ask jewels and silver and gold and the finest clothes from her Egyptian masters and her neighbors. And you will clothe your sons and your daughters with the best of Egypt. Hallelujah! God understands the principle of recompense. God understands that this is the time of restitution, that they were exploited and they were used by Pharaoh, and now the riches, the plunder of Egypt is going to be given to the children who are leaving uh, under the, the Passover. What an incredible thought that God is a God of restitution. They were prospered by the Passover. And so it is with us. We now prosper because of the cross. You know, we, we have such a, an incredible uh, blessing that comes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 5. I want to read it to you. It says, in Him. Who are we talking about when it says in Him? We're talking about Jesus, aren't we? For in Him you have been enriched in every way. How many ways? In every way. God, the Bible says that we've been enriched in every way. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge. So if it's in every way, it would include our finances, our health, our spirit. No part of our life has not been enriched by the knowledge of Christ. We are thoroughly and incredibly, extravagantly blessed by the presence of Jesus in our life. We are not the same people. I don't know about you, but I'm not the same person I was. Amen? We are changed. We've been enriched by Christ in so many ways and he's, he's enriched us uh, in so many different ways in our finances in our health and our spirit so there's no part of our life that's left untouched uh, uh, as part of the Passover more than that it goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 for you know of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes for your sakes he became poor so that you might become rich Hallelujah. you know God, God's pretty wealthy. He walks on, he uses gold to pay in the streets. You walk on the gold, you know. He's rich. And he says, that now the riches of Christ have now been given to us through the cross. How do I know this? 
Because this is part of the covenant. This is part of the great exchange that took place at the cross. Remember, Christ took our sins and he gives us uh, his righteousness. He took our sickness and he gives us his health. He took our poverty and he gives us his wealth. He took our bondage and gives us his freedom. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the whole gospel. That God wants to bless us body, soul, and spirit. Every blessing. We've been enriched in every way. In the covenant, you exchange liabilities and assets. So we came with our uh, limited assets and our incredible liabilities. And we come to Jesus and we say, we're coming into the covenant with you. God says, that's fine. He says, I'll take all your, your assets and your liabilities. But the good news is that all my assets are yours. I have no liabilities. You have all my assets are now available unto healing and deliverance and, and every good thing. No good thing will he withhold to them that walk uprightly. God is going to bless us incredibly because of what he has done. That's part of the covenant. It's the exchange. So Jesus took all our, our assets. What a wonderful Savior we have. And despite all these magnificent and incredible blessings, we have not yet begun to scratch the bottom of what it means to break bread with the Lord. We're going to go on and we're going to, we're going to look at a couple of things. And I, I want to skim through the Old Testament and just look at a, a passage there uh, that adds such richness to our understanding of, of, of this uh, ceremony, the Eucharist, the breaking of bread, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's found in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18. Let me give you the background as you turn to that. You'll remember how uh, uh, Lot was living in Sodom and during that time the, the, the kings fell out. There were, there were massive war that took place and Lot was kept, captured and Lot and his family and all that he possessed was, was taken away uh, with the victorious kings. Uh, Sodom was defeated and all, all their, their plunder was taken. And news came to Abraham to say, your, your nephew Lot has been captured. And so Abraham uh, called up uh, his family and he had 318 servants and he armed them and uh, he said, right, we're going to go and deliver the people. And so he, he actually uh, overcomes these kings, takes them by surprise in an ambush and he, and he overcomes them. And he delivers all the spoil, everything that was taken, everything that was captured, everything that was lost, uh, is now brought back. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? Like, like we did. So the, Abraham's like a type of Jesus. He comes and he saves Lot and he redeems everything that, that was lost and stolen. And he brings it back uh, to the king of Jerusalem, to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is overwhelmed and wants to bless Abraham. And he says, I won't even take a latchet. You know, I want to take nothing, the least you say that it was you that made me rich. No, I'm, I'm going to trust the Lord. He wouldn't take a thing. And Melchizedek was so overwhelmed uh, by this that he does a strange thing. And we read about it in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Salem was the old name for Jerusalem. And it really comes from the, the root word shalom, peace or peaceful. So uh, the city of peace, or, uh, peacefulness. So Mel Melchizedek is really uh, the, the prince of Salem, the prince of peace. 
Some people have interpreted Melchizedek as a, a, a Christophany, a, a, a manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament. I don't believe that that actually was the case. There, there are different understandings um, of who Melchizedek was, but I think the best one for my, from my point of view is that uh, he explains uh, he's like a forerunner of Christ. Because this man is the king of right. His name interpreted means king of righteousness or king of peace, um, and he's also king uh, of, of Jerusalem. So there's king of peace, and he's also a priest, king and priest. And so I think Melchizedek is a type or a forerunner of Jesus, who, who was the righteous one and who lived in peace. I'm not going to get too further into Melchizedek because that's not really the, the point of this message. That Melchizedek uh, shows up, the king of peace. The first time, remember we were talking about the law first mentioned a couple of, couple of days ago. I think it's very interesting that the, the, the very first time the bread and the wine are mentioned, the king of peace is present in the form of Melchizedek. And I believe every time you and I come to break bread, have the bread and the wine, the king of peace is present with it. And we can partake of this peace that God brings through the, through the, the body and the blood of Christ. And it's a very special time. I think it's really important that we understand that the King of Peace is present with us. You know, during our Redemption War, there was, towards the end, it was getting quite heavy. We were outnumbered uh, very heavily, and, uh, you know, it was a real relief to come back into base after being out on patrol, you know. There was a, like the relative safety of the base was a nice place to be. And we'd come in and uh, there were a number of us that would uh, decide that God was doing amazing things. That's a story I must tell you one day about the revival that broke out in the midst of the army camp. But we would come back and we would break bread with what we called dog biscuits and jungle juice. It was like sugar water and uh, this dog biscuit, it was a, a very, you, uh, you guys know what dog biscuits are, don't you? Yeah. They, they break your teeth on those things. You've got to soak them before you can eat them. They're so hard. But, uh, you know, that's all we have. And so we use them as emblems to, to break bread and, and, uh, and, and uh, drink the blood, uh, which is really our jungle juice, which is a very sweet drink. But, you know, I remember that we come off patrol and we break bread. And I, I remember the first time that we did that, this overwhelming sense of peace. Just come off patrol, and it was we were so tense and so anxious because you know people are trying to kill you. So it's not a nice thing. And then you come into into the presence of the Lord, and we were breaking bread, and it was like, oh. and there was this peace. It was beautiful. We weren't in the army. We were raptured into the courts of heaven, and we were just worshiping the Lord through the breaking of bread. I think that was the first time I ever experienced the shalom of God. Nothing missing, nothing broken, just this perfect rest, this perfect peace. That was beautiful. Every time we come to break bread, regardless of the stress that's going on in our lives, we, we can experience God's peace and blessing. You know, when we worry and anxious, stress, when the pressure is on, people don't pay hundreds of dollars to a psychiatrist to try and get peace. 
And all you really need to do is come to the King of Peace. Begin to worship Him. Begin to break bread in His presence. Wait quietly before the Lord. You don't need to spend last night's money to get the peace of God in your life. And so regardless of what we're experiencing, we can go into a quiet place to worship the King of Peace and break bread. And let the King of Peace take care of everything that's missing and broken. He is our shalom. So let's experience the shalom of God when we break bread. Let's remember that God wants to give us peace. So that's what that's what Abraham and Melchizedek were doing. They're having the first Eucharist service actually mentioned in the Bible in Genesis 14, 18. They were breaking the bread and the wine. Then chapter 15 starts, and I think it's very significant. Chapter 15 of Genesis and verse 1 says this. And after these things, what things? The bread and the wine. After they broke bread and, and drank wine, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. I want you to listen carefully this morning. The word of the Lord came to Abraham after the bread and the wine. After he broke bread. What is that? The word of the Lord is guidance. It's guidance. God will guide us when we come to break bread. The decisions that we're making. When, when we come to a place where we think, I don't know what to do in, in, this, in my business. I don't know what to do in my family. I don't know what to Whatever you, you don't know what to do. Come before the Lord. Break bread. God, the word of the Lord can come. As it came to Abraham, I believe it can come to those that are open to hearing God speak. So there's a promise of guidance. The word of the Lord comes. How do you know one word from God can change everything? Yes. One word from God can change everything. I'm here in New Zealand because of one word. God said go. And so here I am. And you know, it changed my entire life. I thank God so much that He brought me to paradise. You know, it's just, it's just the most wonderful country ever. But, you know, your whole life can change. We see this time and time again. Do you remember in the book of Acts chapter 10? The word of the Lord came to Peter and told him to go to Cornelius' house. And so, you know, this was something that was not kosher, you know. Cornelius was a Gentile, and the Jews were not supposed to go, but God had really prepared um, uh, Peter's heart with, with his visions before him. So the word of the Lord came to Peter, and he goes to Cornelius' house, and everything changes. One word from God, everything changes. How many of you know that up until that time, there weren't any Gentiles in the church? But when Peter goes to Cornelius and he preaches the gospel, they get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. The glory of God comes down. It's an amazing. And Gentiles are now added to the church. And now the church is no longer just limited to Israel. It has gone global. There's no country in the world where you will not find Christians. You can go behind the, the Iron Curtain or the Bamboo Curtain or whatever curtain you like. You will find people who trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. One word from God. Peter, you go to Cornelius and it changed everything. It changed the destiny of the church. One word from God. You need something. You need guidance. Break bread. Because the word of the Lord came to Abraham after these things. So, after Abraham broke bread with the word of the Lord, and 
that can happen to us too. You know, the answer shows up. Everything becomes clear when you hear from the Lord. You have wisdom and knowledge and know how to act. I've mentioned once before uh, the, the story uh, of a, a minister who came to see us tonight, and he was uh, giving this testimony uh, about the time he moved to a new town, and he was going to buy uh, a piece of ground and, and build a church and preach the gospel. And so he, he saved up the money, had the money to purchase the land, and he went through the through the town, and uh, he found the perfect place. He was just about to call up the agent and, and say, I'll take this place. And there was a check in his spirit. He just thought, I can't do this. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. I'm not supposed and, and he felt really perturbed. And so he, he decided, the only thing I can do is go back and pray. And he prays and he says, God, what is it? Please show me. And uh, God eventually speaks to him and says, do you remember that, that first part of the ground that you saw way out on the outskirts of town where there's not really nobody there and it was really the, the junkiest piece of ground that there was? God says to him, I want you to buy that piece of ground. That was the piece of ground immediately saw. He rejected it out of sight. He said, it's out of town, there are no people here, there's, there's no reason, and, and it's not very easy to build. I'm not going to buy this piece of ground. This must have come in. But that was the, the piece of ground that God told him to buy. And so he does what you and I did. Argued with God. God, this is not a good place. It's too far from town. It's, the people won't come. It's not easy to build. And, and he went on and on and on. But you know what happens. You argue with God, you don't win. And God can't, and, and so he, he did the unbelievable. He said, I, I, I can't believe it. He went and he bought this, uh, this terrible piece of ground, not knowing why, but he knew it was God. And, and immediately he signed and paid over. He said, the sense of peace just came upon him. And he just knew that this is God. But he didn't understand it all. God was thinking by this horrible piece of ground. Three months later, the government announces a major motorway is going through that town, right through the center of that property. Suddenly, that, that property is the, the linchpin of all the development that's going on. And that property is now worth millions and millions of dollars. He was able to sell it to the government uh, three months later. And uh, the money that he made, he went and, and bought the, the property that, that he had in his heart first to, to buy. How many like a word from the Lord like that? You see, you see, I believe that when we are open to God, when we break bread, God can direct our lives. He can steer us wherever we go. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 25 and 11, it says, Like golden apple set in silver is a word spoken at the right time. Hallelujah. That guy got a word from the Lord at the right time, and God blessed him significantly. See, the word of the Lord is priceless. It's precious. It gives hope to the hopeless. It brings refreshing to the weary. And it turns defeat into victory. You know, we need to hear what the Lord says to us. One word from God brings uh, incredible clarity, wisdom, direction. And it all comes from the Lord. What am I saying? You never know what you will hear when your heart is in tune with the Lord while you break bread. Something incredible Maybe dropped in your heart today as we break bread later on, if we are open, if we approach and worship in adoration. Let's go back to the, the text that we've been reading, Genesis chapter 5, and 15, and verse 1. 
after these things, after the bread and wine, after the breaking of bread, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not. Fear not. I believe the other blessing that comes from the breaking of bread and the Eucharist service is that God removes our fear. He doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to be fearful or afraid or intimidated. You know, fear not. When we break bread, God will remove our fear if we let Him. Every parent knows when your kids are small and they are afraid at night, all they want is for you to be there so that they can go to sleep. You know, your presence there comforts and consoles them. It soothes their troubled mind. You know, you're there to protect them. That's what they understand. That if anything happens, you're right on the spot. You're right there to look after them. That's what kids get from our presence when we go there. God understands that we are, we are His children. And so He speaks to us. He understands that there is security in numbers. We feel safe when there are others about us. It's hard swimming upstream by yourself, amen? amen. And so it, it, God understands us. And so, you know, He wants to be around. And in Isaiah 41 10, He says this Fear thou not, for I am with thee. God is with us. Whatever we do, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee at the right hand of my righteousness. God is saying, I am going to be right there. No matter what you go through in life, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. You can draw comfort. Your spirit can be soothed because I am there. I am watching over you. In the midst of our night terrors, and let's be honest, we all have them. Sometimes we're worried about the mortgage. Sometimes we're worried about our health or our kids or, or something's going on in our life that we have no control over. And we can get pretty desperate at times. Sleep can be something that just vanishes over the horizon and you lie there in torment. You know, we must remember at that time that when we break bread, God wants to uh, give us that sense of uh, comfort he wants to take away that sense of fear and worry that we have because the answers are in God. It's good to remember when we break bread that God is ultimately in control of our lives. Can you say amen? amen? You see, for the believer, nothing happens to us that God is not ultimately in control of. Now listen carefully. That does not mean that everything that happens to us is God's will. Stop it. <laughs> if I'm suddenly uh, <laughs> okay. so not everything that happens to us is God's will but for God's people God is ultimately in control He will take care of whatever's going on in our life that's the comfort, that's the covenant that's the hope that we have that God is watching over remember in Psalm 121 verses 1-4 through 4, He says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God will do the same for us. Do you know that we are the apple of God's eye? And if he does that for Israel, he's not a respecter of persons. He's going to do that for you. God is watching over you. He is going to protect you. You know, whatever we're going through, Whatever hardships, whatever trials, remember, God is with us. His name is 
Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to remind us over and over again, you are never alone. You're never going through this without help. I can help you and I will give you, I will strengthen you. I will be there with you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Remember when he says in Psalm 26, it says, God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in times of trouble. When you're going through your dark, God is right there. You know, the, the, the biggest crisis in your life means the, the biggest presence of God. Turn to the Lord. Get your eyes off the crisis and the circumstances and get your eyes back onto the Lord. He is a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We do not need to be a people of fear. Though the earth be moved and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, we will not be afraid. That's what the breaking of bread does. It takes away anxiety. It takes away fear. Because God is watching over us. Ultimately, our lives are being controlled by God's destiny. He will make sure everything turns out right. Amen. 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 Remember, oh, remember Meshach and Abednego? In the midst of their fiery trial, what happens? Jesus shows up and he brings them out, not even smelling of smoke. That's what happens when we keep our eyes focused on the Lord. And the best way we can focus on the Lord is to break bread. Keep the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection in, in front of our heart and spirit. So that when, in the midst of our trial, Jesus will show up, we'll come out of that situation, not even smelling this moment. That's why the breaking of bread is so special. Do you enjoy the breaking of bread? I think it's an incredible thing. Let's read on. Go back to our text. And after these things, after the bread and the wine, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield. I am thy shield. Whoa. What is a shield? It's a defensive weapon. A shield goes before and offers us protection. Do you remember Jerry Park? You, you remember him, you just don't remember his name. Jerry Parr was, was the human shield who jumped in front of President Ronald Reagan and was shot because he was the Secret Service agent who took the bullet that was meant for Ronald Reagan. He used his own body as a human shield and he protected the president from assassination uh, with his own body. He literally laid his life on the line. You see, a shield offers us protection. It takes the blows that were meant for us. Just think about that. God is saying, I am thy shield. I will take the blows that were meant for you. I will take the, the, the things that the devil is trying to do. I will protect you. I will be your shield. The shield offers us protection. and takes the blows that were meant for us. A shield allows us to advance on our enemy as the shield takes blows. The, the Roman army was so incredibly effective because one of the things that they did was interlock their shields. And it was like this mobile wall. They could advance on the enemy even though they were being pounded with, with arrows and, and rocks and all sorts of things. They could advance because their shields were protecting them. They were taking the blows that were meant for the Roman soldiers. So quite literally, Christ has laid down his life for you and I. As our shield, Jesus gets between us and the devil. He gets between us and the devil and he takes the blows that the devil is trying to inflict on us. Jesus absorbs. Thank God for Jesus, otherwise you and I would not be here. 
The devil would have wiped us out long ago. But Jesus is our shield. Christ is our protector. He's our father. He, he, he loves us. And he will do whatever it takes to protect us. And he's willingly lays down his life for us. Jesus is our shield and protection. He's there to save and protect us so that we can advance. So that we can make progress in our spiritual life. Every time the devil has a plan for your life, Jesus gets in between you and the devil. says, I know, devil, you don't do that. And we are able to grow and develop in Christ. We can advance because Jesus shall save us and protect us. Jesus literally fights our battle for us. Isn't he amazing? Yes. Isn't he glorious and wonderful? He fights our battle for us. We our shield. He stands in front of the devil and takes the blows that were meant for us. Thank God, every time we break bread, we come afresh to the body and the blood of the Lord. We remember the covenant of protection that He has made for us. Let's go on. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And then after He sings, after the bread and the wine, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in the ring, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Wow. That's quite something, isn't it? I'd like God to say that to you. I am, I am your exceeding great reward. An exceeding great reward is a promise of divine provision. As we break bread, God will provide for us. No good thing will He withhold to them that walk upright. I will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. God will minister to us whatever we need. It's a promise of divine protection, or provision, I should say. And Abraham became an incredibly rich, powerful, and influential man. <laughs> Sorry, it's getting all stuck up. Um, for those on the video, I can't see what's going on. My glasses are coming off as I take my glasses off. But, you know, Abraham was an incredibly wealthy man in gold and silver and in servants. He was blessed. He, he became a very powerful an influential man in the land because of the exceedingly uh, great reward that God had bestowed upon us. But did you know, for you and I, it's even better than for Abraham. We have a better covenant with better yes. promises. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even though he became incredibly powerful, influential, wealthy, he was a man of substance, God says, I've got something better for my church. I've got something better for my people. I want to bless them exceedingly abundantly. You see, Exceedingly great reward that we have according to the riches of God's grace. Oh, God has given us such a rich reward. You know, as I think about that, to be rewarded by God is truly amazing. Especially when you consider the times that we failed the Lord, our shortcomings, our sins, and you know, uh, 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 the times we've let God down. He still wants to reward us. He still wants to bless us. Despite all this, we see in this act of God's blessing, His amazing love and grace, that He forgives us despite our failures, despite our sins, despite our shortcomings. God still wants to. That's grace. This is undeserved, unmerited favor that's been poured out upon the church. Glory. Can you say amen? amen. You see, this is just not something that we've worked for. This is unmerited, undeserved. 
It's really just the goodness of God. It's the father heart of God saying, I want to bless you because you're my children. I want to do this for you because you're special and important to me. You are the apple of my, you are important to God. Sometimes we think we are an insignificant person, that we're not much. I want to tell you, you're still the apple of God's eye. You are precious in His sight. And He wants to reward you. Think about how this reward is described. It's not an, you know, uh, just a reward. It's really quite amazing. To have any sort of reward from God is incomprehensible. You know? We are so undeserving, so unworthy, that this reward is wonderful. It's magnificent. It's glorious that God would reward us even though we don't fully deserve it. This is the goodness of our God. Think about how this reward is described. It's not just a reward. It's not just a great reward. But think about it. A great reward is a spectacular, significant, or splendid reward. Those are all synonyms for great. So, it, you know, God describes this reward that He's going to give us with stunning superlative after superlative. He says, it's an exceedingly great reward. Hallelujah. I think it's glorious that God would do that for us. So what is this exceedingly abundant, great reward that God wants to, to give us? I want you to listen. And I want you to respond at the end of it. <laughs> I want you to respond at the end of it. If, if you want to praise the Lord, please feel free to praise and glorify God for what He has done. The first of the, 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 the great rewards that we receive from God is that He has chosen us and accepted us. <laughs> Nobody else wanted us. <laughs> Nobody else was worth much. But God says, you are the apple of my eye. I have chosen you. I have selected you. You are special. You are important. I've chosen and accepted you. You are great just the way you are. I made you perfect. God doesn't make any junk. God made us perfect just the way he wants us. So, we are chosen and accepted by Almighty God. We're part of the royal family of heaven as children of God, saved out of darkness, brought into His marvelous light, delivered from bondage, translated into the kingdom of His dear Son, justified and forgiven of all our sins, iniquities and transgressions. We are sanctified and set apart for His holy use. In a God-given assignment, we are empowered by His precious Holy Spirit to do the works that He did and greater works than these. Hallelujah! We are blessed with every spiritual blessing, partakers of His divine nature, joined to the Lord in one spirit, citizens of heaven, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places, anointed and sealed by the Spirit. We are the temple of God, the temple of the Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, shout to the Lord! Praise God! Oh, thank you, if you don't think this is an exceedingly great reward, I wonder if you say it. All this and so, so much more we can have as we break bread. We're going to break bread now this morning. I wonder if uh, Annette could come up and just uh, play something, whatever, whatever you would like to play, Annette, just to something worshipful as we uh, get ready to, to break bread and, and think about the, the richness 
um, whatever it is that you need, whether you need guidance, whether you need healing or deliverance, or whether you need God's provision, whatever it is, it's available to us as we would break bread. So I'm just going to ask you, would somebody like to, um, to, to read the charge in 1 Corinthians 11.23? Any volunteers to do that? 1 Corinthians 11.23 in a moment. So I don't lose 23 and I'll tell you when to stop. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread of eats the bread or, or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have all fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you that you have made us righteous. Lord, that in and of ourselves there dwells no good thing, but you've made us righteous. You've made us worthy. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the rich blessings that you give to us through, through the breaking of bread. And Lord, we are very grateful to you for your sacrifice, for the covenant that you've made, that we've become, uh, Lord, your children, and that you've become our Heavenly Father. And so, Lord, as we would break bread this morning, uh, Lord, you said to do this in remembrance of you, to remember all that is promised in the, in the covenant, all that is promised in the breaking of bread service. And so, Lord, help us and, and bless us as we would come to this cup of blessing today. Lord, let's enjoy and remember everything. Let's receive and believe God for everything that we need. And remember, this is a sacred, solemn, holy time as we break bread together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Annette. Hallelujah. Lois, would you like just about the
homage the incredible, the awesome, most magnificent sacrifice, the covenant that you made with us is beyond compare, beyond description. And Lord, we just thank you for your great grace. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your death, that almighty God, creator, creator of heaven and earth, creator of our lives, would suffer an agony upon the cross to die a horrific death so that we could be free from sin, so that we could be healed in our bodies, so that we could become children of God. And so, Father, we thank you so much for the bread which represents your broken body. And we do this in remembrance of you. We say personally, thank you, Jesus. Personally, we want to thank you, Lord, for, for saving our lives. Thank you for going to the cross and enduring such agony and shame on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. We do this bread in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name. stripes we are healed and this morning I just pray for Lord for Sandy and for Steve and uh, Lord uh, uh, Lord for Patty and I know uh, uh, for Wendy and for Diane and Shane and Father rather than listing everybody's names who are, who are ill we want to lift up the, the fellowship before you all those who are suffering from sickness or disease who are in pain this morning Father, we thank you that by your stripes we are healed. We have a covenant of healing. We are the healed and we are resisting sickness. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that we are healed this morning. We are healed. We claim that healing and we thank you for it, Lord. And Lord, as we come to your precious blood, oh, how precious is that flow, Lord. How precious is the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that your blood, Lord, is as the thing that washes and cleanses. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And you gave your life and, and enabled us to drink your blood so that we could partake of the supernatural life of Jesus, that we could be a partaker of your divine nature. Lord, that we can experience the richness of fellowshipping with our Father. And so, Father, we thank you for cleansing this morning. We thank you for healing. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us we go from this place washed in the blood of the Lamb, knowing that we are righteous, that you, the God and judge of heaven, has said, you are righteous. There is no sin, no fault that I can find in you, because you are under the precious blood of my Son, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for the precious anointed blood of Jesus. Lord, we partake of that life into our lives, symbolically, as we partake of the blood of Jesus. Fill us now.
just give you the announcements this week. Um, I was chatting.